Welcome to Digital Vision episode number four. I'm Ian Harris, and today I talk with director and co-founder of Caspian Publishing, Stuart Rock. Well, welcome to the program, Stuart. Oh, thank you for the introduction. <laughs> Caspian Publishing. Tell us a little about that and what its purpose in the universe is. <laughs> um, Caspian's about 11 years old, uh, and we launched it as a magazine and events company. We publish our own magazines, uh, four of which are published under the real brand, Real Business, Real Deals, Real FD, and Real IR. But we also contract publish. So we produce business-to-business magazines for a range of uh, membership bodies, uh, such as the CBI and uh, the Chartered Institute of Management Accountants, but also uh, magazines for companies such as Thales, uh, CSC, uh, and where we produce uh, bespoke publishing for companies like IBM. So it's senior level business to business, and it's primarily been in the printed word. The other side of the business has been around events, uh, which we started off being mainly conference and seminar-led. That has changed quite dramatically so that now the bulk of our events are awards, most of which are tied to one of our proprietary titles. The conference work that we do is contract-based, uh, so that we provide formats, uh, ideas, content, speakers, and the administration for uh, larger organizations. We're currently doing a series of uh, conferences, conferences around the country for HSBC. Right. Um, but we'll also be doing a, we're doing a, a major one-day conference on India for HSBC, mm-hmm. uh, where we marry up our ability to put together good content and have strong format ideas with their own customer base. So it's changed, the model's changed a bit over the years, but primarily it's been printed word and events. So how did the idea for Caspian come about in the first place? Before uh, starting Caspian, a group of us were working at the Institute of Directors and I was the editor of Director Magazine and we were keen to do some form of spin-out of uh, the Institute's publishing and commercial activities. But uh, sadly, we and the Institute didn't have the same, same ideas as related to equity ownership. <laughs> so um, we set it up ourselves. Uh, it's a, it was a start-up um, with our own money and with uh, a small number of private investors. And... Essentially, they took the they liked the idea that we could uh, both produce uh, magazines for other people. There was an agency side of the business, but that we had an idea for a thing called real business, or as we put it in the business plan, the real business magazine, all four words, um, which identified a niche of publishing for entrepreneurs, the smaller 
but high growth companies. Um, and that's where real business has been phenomenally successful um, over the 10 years that it's been published. We started by uh, I, you know, having identified the niche. We went up against essentially two major and very well-established publications. One was our former employer, Director Magazine. The other was Management Today. And up until that time, no other magazine, business magazine, had ever survived against those two. Right. So real business kind of broke the mold, really. Um, but now it's uh, think it's now very much kind of a you know one of the mix. Uh, it's become a sort of a, a, a troika. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, things were very different eleven years ago when you were starting off the business. Uh, our business plan doesn't have an email address on it. <laughs> uh, there is two or three paragraphs somewhere hidden in the, the the recesses of it which refer to the potential of electronic publishing this is 19 written at the back end of 1995 mm-hmm. i don't think there's any way uh that you know i mean, well we ran in our second edition uh so that would have been in april 1997 we a guy, Ajaz Ahmed, on the cover, uh, who had started up AKQA, the agency, only uh, a year or so before, a year or two before. And we had him on the cover as, here is a guy who is actually making some money out of the internet. Will you? Uh And this was the big, interesting question. Um, And we launched... uh, an array of stories over about about taking advantage of the internet, but we didn't do it ourselves. Uh, we didn't do it ourselves at the time because the print environment uh, was booming. Um, if you remember that uh, a lot of magazines generated a lot of ad revenue from dot coms <laughs> and from telecoms companies and from uh, concerns about Y2K mm-hmm. and and so on and so on. So the, the, the print medium was exceptionally successful uh, and the internet uh, as a form of uh, communication was evolving, but it was there wasn't enough scale mm. to genuinely say, you know, to, to put, we'd only just put our eggs into the basket of launching a magazine to put our, find more eggs to find another <laughs> basket over something of uncertain return mm-hmm. was, was a difficult one, difficult call. So we didn't do anything and we thought that what we should do is ride it out for a bit and mm. see where, where it went. And of course, then the dot-com crash and the bursting of the bubble led to the fact that you know, advertising disappeared. Uh, you know, we the magazine lost forty percent of its ad revenues in a in a uh, over a period of you know kind right. of like twelve months, which then put you in the position of not being able to mm, invest. You're in, in survival. Area, yeah. You're in survival mode rather than diverse. You know, can mm. you diversify? So I think it's the reason why a lot of magazines. Uh, have struggled um, to begin the, the the process, and it's only recently, it's only really been in the last couple of years that actually the print world, you know, printed magazines have, 
you know, kind of really genuinely kind of gone from being a repository of here's our archive and now you can access right. it or in, and, and have, you know, theological debates as to whether you access it and pay for it or whether you do it for free um, to uh, starting to see, well, what's the role of an online presence and what's the role of the magazine? Mm. Um, uh, the, the landscape has changed hugely in it, you know, enormously in the last kind of couple of months, a uh, couple of months, couple of years. There is still a lot of mis- mistakes being made. I mean, I think we, we you know, we, we have, um, you know, th- this last year, we made a lot because it's very difficult to get uh, a grasp on what the strategic focus of yes. a website should be yes. as opposed to a magazine mm. and realizing that they aren't the same, mm. that they are very, very different and they need to have different disciplines and different editorial, uh, a different editorial approach, a different style. Uh, and the economics, uh, how the economics of it works, uh, how it's sold, how it's sold as part of a package, mm-hmm. part of uh, to to um, uh, advertisers where they can see well what are they going to get in the magazine and what are they going to get on the online and uh, and juggling all of these things around is incredibly difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's it's thrown up a lot of questions for which many magazine publishers have been singly ill-equipped to answer. So how do you go about? trying to decipher uh, this problem. It's, it's difficult to know where to step without either deciding you're going to make um, a big commitment or and you don't know whether if it doesn't work because you haven't made a big, big commitment or because uh, you're, in, you're stepping in the wrong direction. How do you solve that problem? Bitter experience right. is probably the only answer. Mm-hmm. Um, we first, uh, I think uh, from our perspective... What we did wrong to begin with was to be led by the commercial side side of this. Right. Um, uh, That the commercial team uh, believed that there was money to be made out of a particular iteration of real business, which owed more to the uh, directory type of approach. We invested quite a lot in uh, people and doing it ourselves, mm-hmm. and doing it in-house. That's because you naturally stumble this way. You start by having somebody who's in-house who happens to be doing <laughs> your website or has got interested by it all, and then he needs a bit of help. So you employ somebody to help him, right. and then they need a bit of help, and right. therefore you employ somebody else. And before uh-huh. you know it, you've got a department. <laughs> You've got a team of technical guys. Yeah. And in fact, as the management, you don't know what they do. Mm. It's a bit like kind of uh, us hiring, uh, deciding we're going to go into printing. Mm-hmm. I think, oh, right, now we must have a whole team of people who are going to specify printing machinery. Well, that's <laughs> kind of where you end. And you, you don't end up there by kind of a, a you know, great strategic decision making. You mm. end up because it's an evolutionary thing. And yes. this is how it's happened. Um, We've just uh, outsourced the web development and hosting mm-hmm. of uh, our publications. And it's a decision that we should have made a year ago. Right. But we didn't because we were still in the, or we do this organically, we do mm. this internally. Mm. Um, so that's been a, quite an interesting journey. So I think from now on, 
I'd be saying we don't want to have anything. We will out. We will keep this scrupulously outsourced. Mm-hmm. What we will keep in in house is uh, web design expertise, right? So that we can ensure that the look and feel mm-hmm. of what we produce, uh, both for our events, the websites for our events, as well as for our magazines is consistent with mm-hmm. the magazines, is consistent with the stage design of our, um, uh, our events, that there's a overall clarity and cohesion there. And what's more, it means that we have internal expertise to ensure that the outsourcer doesn't you know, just pull the wool over our eyes or mm-hmm. tell us something that they, where they can be properly questioned. Yes. They can pro- be properly quizzed. So I think it's, you know, the, the hardest thing is to decipher it's a very long-winded answer. Um, but I think that uh, what you have to work out is what level of technical expertise do you have in-house mm-hmm. and where is that technical expertise best deployed? Uh, there is, uh, you know, if we were entirely a subscriptions-based set of publications, I think that we'd probably have a bit more in-house data knowledge, database knowledge. As it is, you know, we we have that outsourced at the moment Mm. and it's probably all right. Um, But the look and feel, the quality of the appearance of our magazines and the appearance of our websites is really important. So uh, it's a distinguishing characteristic for our for the client side. The clients want to know that they're using a, a, a quality publishing house. Mm-hmm. Um, so the intern, you know, having web design capability in in house is very has, is something that is going to remain valuable to us. So what I'm hearing you saying is that uh, the actual mechanism of getting the content out to customers is is uh, something that you're flexible about. You you don't actually print physically print your own magazines in the same way you don't uh, physically deploy websites. Uh, so uh, what you're retaining is the, the branding and the, and the content creation. Exactly, right? exactly. I mean, I've got uh, you know, over 20 journalists uh, here working on a variety of uh, publications, all of which are at the top end in terms of they're all, uh, all of the journalists here have to spend a lot of time talking to chief execs, finance directors, uh, partners of uh, professional practices. Uh, They're dealing in uh, strategic business issues, uh, some very hardcore finance, Mm -hmm. um, boardroom level agenda. And that's a really important mix of uh, an an expertise that you need to keep in-house. And that's what it's essentially what Caspian's good at. And we are increasingly being able to parlay the content that we get from our awards. So we get to meet, for instance, at, um, uh, we had a, an awards recently, the, um, which we do with the, uh, the CBI and Real Business together, called the First Women Awards. Mm-hmm. And it's a set of awards for women across the range of business who have broken a glass ceiling, mm-hmm. set out a new path for other women to follow. They're not necessarily business leaders. They are high achievers uh-huh. uh, and, and, and women who've done something special. Now, we interview the shortlist. A panel of judges interviews the shortlist of uh, women across the nine categories. 
So that means we've got somewhere in the region of 45 women who have exceptional talent, mm. uh, where we've got their CVs, their life histories. We have, uh, they've been interviewed. We know about them. Now, this is fantastic material, which can now work online as well as in print. Mm. Um, but that content, nobody else is going to get anywhere near having that kind of, uh, that kind of content. And that isn't through journalism, that's through an award. <laughs> right, so, you know, the, the richness of the content that we're generating yes. is actually getting, is getting better. Yes. Um, and to, uh, th- th- to, to focus on that, for us to focus on that, and to just know how, that it's being reliably securely and you know imaginatively distributed through mm. the right media is the that that's that's kind of the most important thing for us now oh that's fantastic so are your customers looking more and more for different ways of consuming media or do you see that the printed media is a fairly fundamental part of i of think what the, you do i think the print print medium is still essential for uh many readers not just not because of the fact that it contains something that's really distinctive because they can get that now online whenever anybody who uh, uh, so you, you ask somebody where they find it going to find out information they don't say oh I'll wait until the next copy of my magazine comes in mm-hmm. they go online they go and get it and that's um, what they do like to have I think uh, is that a magazine both acts as the reminder that the website is right. there. It's also uh, the tangible quality right. that with which you associate something. And it's one thing to name, uh, say, oh, I'll go on to realdeals.eu.com because you know I can find out the stuff there. But once a fortnight, you get a high-quality magazine, and it reminds you that the quality of what you're going to go to online, right, they can go there. So it's a very important supporter Mm. of the online presence. I think that the, you know, you, you, can, you, you read a magazine in the bath. <laughs> you don't read a website in the That's bath. That's true, yes. You don't read a website uh, on the bog. Uh, <laughs> and most men read magazines or books on when they go, <laughs> when they go to the loo. Um, you don't, by and large, if you're going, if you're on a brief, train journey or whatever mm-hmm. don't know magazines are tangible and handy and yes. they uh, and so you've still got to compete and be very good at being a magazine yes what you do have to realize recognize is that people don't refer to the magazine straight away right the magazine is kind of oh I'm, I'll get around to it right it always has been a bit like that in the past, uh, if you were in a, a, a trade, uh, you, you used to wait till, you know, on Friday, the trade magazine would arrive and mm-hmm. you'd get it and you'd leaf through uh, the job ads and you'd read who's moved where and you'd catch up on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. Weekly trade magazine, really important. That's, that's rubbish now. You know, the, the weekly trade magazines, they... They still appear, but nobody goes to them for the the information need that they used to. They go for them for something else, right? Which will be more about the opinion, 
the analysis. Uh-huh. And do you know what? The fact they want to feel good about being in that industry. Right. Rather than it being a kind of a news and, it, you know, I need to know about what jobs are going on or who's moved where or what's the price of this. or what, That's all gone online. So that's, that's a good example where some of the content has moved to a different medium. Oh, I think, well, you see, all of the content moves to a different medium. I'm, I remain sceptical about the fact that, you know, once you go over about 500 words, just any, you know, people don't read that online. Right. They print it off. <laughs> so they end up having a printed copy. Anyway. They end up with having a printed copy. Um, so there's there there is always going to be a you know uh, a, 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 there's going to be a role for both. What is uh, challenging commercially is that the magazines, of course, will never see the amount of print advertisements right. again. Um, they will get something. And it'll be part of the mix, but they've got to be something else. We're seeing this with real business, and it's a very interesting you know, time at the moment. Is that we uh, here? We are in whenever it is in 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 June, um, July, beginning of July. By where we're publishing a magazine, real business comes out ten times a year. We have historically the uh, editorial uh, and uh, advertising commercial teams have focused really around the magazine. Mm-hmm. How many ads, the flat plan, what many, what's going to be the image for the cover. The care and attention has really gone into the, uh, into the publication. Uh, by October, certainly, I mean, probably earlier than that, it'll be a daily website. Right. With the daily news about entrepreneurs, you know, entrepreneurial ideas about mm-hmm. growing, running a business. It'll have a weekly newsletter and we'll have a monthly magazine. <laughs> right. The so, center of gravity yeah. shifts, uh, is shifting, uh, you know, just, just fundamentally. Mm. Uh, Real Deals, which covers Europe's private equity uh, venture capital industry. Um, it's a fortnightly magazine. We, for the last three, two, three months, have now have been providing a daily news alert, which gives you half a dozen. It could be could be up to twelve, anywhere between four, five, and ten or twelve news stories a day. We know already that that is now more fundamental to most people right. in their understanding of real deals right. than the magazine. Wow! So that's a fundamental shift. Really, so it is a huge shift. Mm. It's not sort of something that everybody has dropped it, mm. dropped one for the other. And it's, it's a replacement of time. But essentially what you're going to try and do is to make sure that each different chunk of what you have to do, whether it's the daily website, you're getting the number of visitors up and people are spending more time on it. You have more people subscribing to your free newsletter service and they're still spending if they all still spend between 15 and 30 minutes per month looking at the magazine, then you've actually, you've expanded the cake, as it were, of right. the amount of time that you're competing, and because that's all you're competing for. Right. And any, any medium is all, you know, there, there may be many things they're competing, they say they're competing about, but essentially the media competes for people's time. So what do you see as the future? I mean, where you've seen some fundamental changes over the last 10 years and mm-hmm. made some sensible decisions about 
trying to work out where to step next. Mm-hmm. If you were to kind of uh, look into the crystal ball and look over the next five years, yeah, where do you, how do you see people consuming media or uh, getting their content? Do you see that changing at all? Well, I'm trying to think about this in terms of a an owner of a business. Now, if I'm... Um, which I am. I'm sort of not. I'm sort of at least have a share in a business here. I'm a co-founder and a director. Now, I still get my. I get all my news feeds, um, but they are chosen by me. Right. And I then have to work out whether I want to edit them and keep them. I have favourites on my website. And I have mm-hmm. a homepage, which, which. But it still there's quite a lot of endeavour. To actually go mm. out and find it mm. and know what it is that it, whether it's of any use, and then I find that I've cluttered myself up with stuff. Mm-hmm. I'd like to think that we could go much more personal than that. Mm. Maybe also speech recognition, mm-hmm. so that I could come in in the morning and start up my computer or my you know my whatever device it is uh, mm-hmm. you know and I'm, and talk to it and say I've got a meeting today which is about uh, I've I've got to I've got to fire somebody I've got really ah oh guys it's going to be terrible <laughs> tell me what's recently uh, and tell me some good advice give me some good advice mm-hmm. about how to fire a fellow director mm-hmm. and I would get the material coming up Mm. Uh, and being fed to me. Here's here's the best article from, and the articles have been f- traced and found through search engines. But you might also be able to go to real business because you know real business, and they they've done stuff. So I just want to talk to the real business website and say, tell me about firing directors. Now I think that that kind of personalization, mm-hmm. uh, so that people can genuinely start to uh, use the material that they want. Uh, as they want it, that that's some, certainly I, I think it could be a, a way for the media to develop. The the others, the, the flip side of this is oddly is serendipity. Um, is that what you do, do get from a magazine, mm-hmm. which you'd never get from going in and commanding the computer to tell you what to do? Is a sense of oh, I didn't know that. That's true. Isn't it? Now serendipity. Oddly enough, I think that there's, you know, that that the magazines uh, that do well, and you know, kind of, if you are making enough money out of your websites, mm-hmm. you'll be able to subsidise magazines so that magazines become bigger again. Mm-hmm. But they won't have, okay, they might not have as much ads, as many ads in them, but they become things which become mm-hmm. richer, more enhancing mm-hmm. experiences. Yeah, you know, the, the things that they're things you actively like getting and you like quotes dipping into them even though that and you know what you even but they've still got to be focused they've still got to have a, a sense of who their audience is but i suspect that you will will we'll end up where having seen the internet kind of take away advertising revenue mm-hmm. Initially, I mean, it would be an interesting historical pattern, wasn't it? Yes. <laughs> Is that first of all, there were magazines, and then the internet arrived, and they started to advertise in magazines, so they swelled the coffers, and now they've taken it <laughs> yeah, away, right. and at some point, the websites will want to have their own magazines <laughs> to say... Here, this is this is about us. This is uh, where we're going. Um, but also to encourage people to sort of dip and uh, find out things they didn't know. 
So on the you know, th- there's some interesting kind of it could go either. It could go both ways. Yes, it probably won't. You know, it won't go I, one way or the other. The other thing is about it: the relationship that um, the magazine has with an event mm-hmm. and with um, uh, and with uh, you know, kind of the internet in in its broadest application is. Um, I mean, obviously, that you can you know, see a lot of. Uh, stuff at the moment on streaming of you, know, you can watch you know watch an event happen live on a uh, on mm, your mobile mm. and on whatever device mm-hmm. and clearly um, as that, that you know, gets you know more and more prevalent yes but it's the subtext of it all is what what you then find out uh, or what you can find if you go if you go to the awards uh, an award ceremony that you can then find out so much more about the people who are up on stage mm. or who are there in the audience you, yeah. and that sense of how you connect with people is going to have to be ringmastered by somebody and it's going to be ringmastered by ringmastered by the brand that is owning the event um, and that that's going to be quite an interesting one I mean this is, when we talk about social networking and social networking yeah fine it's all but it's it, it's all virtual well how do you kind of facilitate who's who's there and how are you going to see who everybody is? And there's, I mean, there's been stuff around this, but it's, uh, I mean, you know, the kind of, um, you know, I, you know, kind of, you know, but it, it still involves people participating or saying, mm. oh, I want to be found. Mm-hmm. But actually, you've got something a bit richer than that um, because it comes from us knowing the audience yes we know that i mean we may not know every single person who's coming but we know the companies we have that sort of prior knowledge so how best do you kind of make all that work together Mm. so you can then create it as an online uh experience that runs on and on (laughs) um i think this sort of network uh which you know kind of historically magazines have always been at the center of networks did you read that? That's right. Yes. Um, and it's while it's been, uh, it, you know, the the the, the web is so dem- democratic that you know, yeah, sure, you put something up on YouTube and billions of people you've <laughs> never heard of watch it. There's sort of somewhere in between. Yes. That uh, allows the brand, the, the brand owner, mm. to control it, but to make it happen in a more, mm. you know, sort of a more exciting way. That's great. Stuart, thank you very much for talking to me today. Oh, it's all a great pleasure.